The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. going on everybody welcome to the keep or cut podcast a proud member of the pitcherless podcast network you've got pete here joined as always by my co-host chad young you can follow the show at at keep or cut you can follow me at at pete b baseball and you can follow chad at at chad young we were going to talk some outfield today but uh the mailbag is overflowing with questions chad it's an important time of the year for those odd new leagues yeah, I mean, it, it's not just the the auto new leagues. I mean, my my CBS league, my CBS keeper league, like it goes dormant every winter. Everyone plays football or whatever. Nobody pays attention to it. And then all of a sudden, like yesterday, the commissioner is going in and we have all these rules about like anyone you pick up in the playoffs, you can't keep. Anyone who you pick up and doesn't play again in the regular season, like someone who's injured, you can't keep. So they're going through and they're cutting all that like dead weight that has to be cut, which means we're about to kick that off too. So like, Everything's getting going. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. No, my home league's the same way. I'm the commissioner of that league. 16 teams talk about it all the time. And it feels like every year the constitution. We got a question gets... about that league coming uh, up. We do. Yeah. So I'm not going to spoil it. But every year <laughs> that constitution, it gets like a half page longer. So um, very, very technical league it's becoming. But we'll get to that when we get to it. So. Uh, we're going to start today with those questions uh, from the listeners. Originally, we were going to start with our outfielders, but uh, we want to make sure we get to your answer, your, your questions so that uh, you have time to adjust as we get closer and closer to the cut deadline, which is, Chad, correct me if I'm wrong, it's going to happen before this episode even airs? No, it's after. The, the episode's going to air on Monday, which is the 30th, and the cut deadline is the 31st, so people have until... Tuesday night at basically midnight Eastern time. I think officially it's 11:59 p.m. Eastern time. Good. So, so hit hit that play button on Keeper Cut, baby. I hope I hope you're listening on that January 30th, right when this is hot off the press. And let's jump in with our first question. That's actually about a cut. This one is from Jeff Long on Twitter. Uh, he said, "I picked up this team in League 1213. I can't decide what to do with Swan Soto. Keep him and try to win with the backup." of trading with a loan cut him. I've tried trading him to cover middle infield, but the rest of the owners are content to let me keep or cut. So I kind of butchered that, but essentially he's wondering what should I do here? Should I keep him? And I got some insurance. I could trade him with a loan or just cut him outright. Keep him. I think I know what you're going to do, Chad, but uh, what do you think? 
So, uh, you know, I went to look at this guy's roster, and not only does he have Soto at $70, but he has a $45 Vlad Guerrero Jr., a $37 Kyle Tucker, $20 J-Rod, $18 Eloy Jimenez, $7 Alejandro Kirk. Then he's got some, like, interesting guys, a $5 Corbin Carroll, $6 CJ Abrams, $4 Anthony Volpe. He's got a $3 Rowdy Telez. Like, this is an, it's an interesting roster here and you know you just look at that outfield and like you can immediately go out there with an outfield of of uh soto j-rod Eloy, and no i'm already blanking i miss i I just mentioned his outfield who was the guy i missed oh kyle tucker which is like i just posted my top 10 or my top 10 my top 170 something outfielders for auto new leagues today with notes on fan graphs and those are four of my top ten. It's like that is a that is a stacked outfield you can start with. And so I get why he's trying to trade Soto to cover his middle infield. I think it's like it's a logical thing to be like, I have I mean, he has four stud outfielders and then a five dollar Corbin Carroll. Like that could be that could be five top fifteen to twenty outfielders. Like that's an incredible haul to have. So I get why he's trying to trade from that to solve some issues elsewhere. I think, though, if you can't make that trade, I would just keep Soto and try to build the rest of the roster around that outfield and accept the fact that you're like you're not going to be able to spend a ton of money, although he doesn't like that whole roster. He's got three hundred and ten dollars. There's probably some dead weight he could cut. He's got a a three dollar AJ puck that yeah, I can. I could live without. He could cut some relievers like a $5 AJ Minter, a $6 Giovanni Gallegos. I could definitely move on from um, $3 Kyle Finnegan's. Like he can get that down to a point where he's got some money to spend to fill middle infield, to fill his pitching staff, and just know that you're building around a stud outfield. And if that works, great. If it doesn't, and you find yourself with a hole to fill in May, June, You've got this stud outfield to trade from to fill those holes. And if it really doesn't work and it's falling apart, then you sell Vlad and you sell Soto and you sell Tucker. Uh, he's also got a $35 Corbin Burns. Like Those are some pretty great pieces to sell the contenders to, to start a rebuild. So I, I'm not going to just cut Soto there. Um, I get why your league mates are like, no, man, you're going to have to make a decision. But I, I would I would hold him, and he's either going to give you a great asset to start your rebuild, or he's going to be part of a just absolutely stacked outfield for you. Yeah, I'm just going to say that you should you should go with Ch- Chad over me when it comes to Otnu, but I'm going to just muddy the waters here. I think for for me it would be a cut. I'm looking at this roster, and you know what you put in the notes looks stacked and it is i mean i'd love to have a 20 dollars julio rodriguez not to mention those other pieces i don't know how he still has an eloy for only 18 bucks because i feel like i had such a cheap eloy in two of our leagues and he's all of a sudden wicked expensive on me but 70 dollars like i just feel like i could spend that in other places and this team even if you cut Juan soto you still have such a safe floor with those names vlad tucker rodriguez eloy you've got burns and somehow still have a julio urias under 20 dollars that if I could take that instead of having a three hundred ten dollar salary right now and bring that down to two forty and have a, a basically half of my my budget to spend to build around those young awesome pieces, I think I could do more than just Juan Soto. But I totally hear the argument to keep him. 
Yeah, I, I can see that too. And I think you can absolutely make a case that instead of a $70 Soto, you have a a $10 outfielder to because you don't need a whole lot more in that outfield, a $10 outfielder, and then 60 bucks to spend it second and short, or you need third base as well. So like two, two $30 players instead of the $170 player plus a $10 outfielder, like I can understand that. There, there's definitely some logic to that. I just, I think that Soto is valuable and I'd, I'd be tempted to keep him. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen him go for more than 70 and I've only been playing for so long. So um, I totally understand that. So this next question is that one that um, I was referencing earlier when we opened the show. This is my home league. It's such an awesome league. Um, and, and the rules are a little weird. So you're gonna have to bear with me here. So this is from my brother, John on Twitter, which like I'm in this league. So I don't know why he's always looking for advice from me when like he's competing against me, but I'm a nice guy. I've won the league four times, but sure. I'll help him out. Uh, we keep three head to head daily categories, 16 teams. Um, he already gave up his fourth and ninth round picks. He's traded those away. He has the 14th overall pick. Okay. Um, and it, it snakes his, Options to keep, so he can choose three of these, are Shohei Otani, Manny Machado, Pete Alonzo, Zach Gallon, and um, Andres Jimenez. Now, Jimenez is for a last-round pick, and Zach Gallon is for an eighth-round pick. That's That cannot change. However, if he keeps, let's say, uh, Otani and Pete Alonzo, then because Pete Alonzo was kept last year, he's actually a second-round pick. If he just kept Pete Alonzo... Zach Gallon and Andres Jimenez. Alonzo is no longer a third. He's a first round pick. So like if, if you were kept going into last year, you could be kept forever, but you cost a first round pick. And if there's another player that is also being kept, then they can become a second rounder and a third rounder. I don't know how eloquently I explained that. It's a well, very technical rule. I think the, the basic thing is Otani Machado or Alonzo all of them cost him a first round pick, but if he keeps more than one of them, it becomes a second round pick or a third round pick for the second or third of them. That, yeah. that made sense to me. So I, I was looking at this and I, I think the the first thing that comes up to me, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong about my understanding of this league, but it is head to head. It's daily and Otani is Otani. So you can use him. I don't think it's the, I don't think you can use him as a pitcher and a hitter at the same time. Correct. But you could put him in as a pitcher today and move him back to hitter tomorrow. And Bingo. Like, in that world, Otani is the number one player off draft boards for me, and it's not close. Not and if close. I could give up the 14th round, or not the 14th round pick, the 14th overall pick for that, that's an easy choice for me. So I immediately started with like, you're keeping Otani. You just don't, you don't bail on him in that format. Fine. So now your choices come down to, Jimenez for a last round, Gallon for an eighth, or this Machado Alonso situation. And it, it gets a little confusing here. And so <laughs> I started to try to like figure out try being know, how would I think about this. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> um, so the first thing I came up with was I don't think Gallon is enough better than Jimenez that if I'm only keeping one of them, it's definitely Jimenez. The cost is so much lower. I would much rather have Jimenez in my eighth round pick than have Gallon in my last pick. Easy choice for me. That then gets me down to a choice of basically three pairs. I can have Machado and Jimenez for a, for my second and my last. I could have Alonzo and Jimenez for my second or my last and my last. Or I can have Machado and Alonzo for my second and third. 
Correct. So that then gets me to, there's no way I'm doing Alonzo and Jimenez because I don't want to give up my second round pick. His second round pick will be, what, 19? And I don't want to give up that pick for Pete Alonzo. He's just, he's going, like I'm looking at, uh, at NFBC, which is obviously not a perfect analog here by any means, but Alonzo's going 19th. You're basically giving up the 19th pick to keep the 19th pick. Like that doesn't really make sense. Machado on the other hand is going 14th. So giving up the 19th pick to keep a guy who goes 14th is at least somewhat interesting. And then you have Alonzo going, you'd be giving up Let's see, his third round pick would be like, uh, let's think about this. There's going to be 30 picks, 32 picks in the first two rounds. So he's like 45th, right? His third round pick is 45th. Alonzo for a 45th sounds great. And I think what this comes down to for me is that the combined value of being able to keep Pete Alonzo for the 45th pick which I can only do if I also keep Machado makes me want to keep those two because I think that you get better value keeping those two than you do keeping Gallon and Jimenez. And I think you get better value keeping those two than you do keeping one of them and Jimenez. The other thing that adds to this, and I would feel very differently about this if the rules for future keepers were different, because if I could keep Jimenez for a last round pick this year, and a second to last round pick next year, <laughs> and like you know that that kind of thing, then Jimenez gets way more interesting because you could be keeping Jimenez for the next decade at those prices. So he he but, go he'll go up two rounds every year. I thought you said if you keep them two years in a row, they become a first round pick. No. So the reason why oh. there's there's only forty eight players in the league who who will you can keep forever, and that's whoever was kept last year when we changed these rules, and that was because some managers like sold out to just get like three awesome keepers. But then all of a sudden, once a price was attached to them, it's, it was almost not fair unless we found a way so that they could still keep those three players while also introducing the cost for players. So like if you built up Juan Soto, Tatis Jr. And because a manager in our league actually has those two and someone else, it was almost like you're dropping an anvil on them by just introducing costs for keepers. So to kind of make it a little bit, appealing to them they could keep those players forever if they wanted and they would get a little bit of a discount for them like you know you're getting a discount if you're keeping tatis in the second round in a 16 team league got it interesting uh well now i'm now i'm reconsidering so i was gonna say you you just you've got to keep you've got to keep machado and alonzo okay so i'm gonna go a different direction i'm gonna say this I think if you're going to keep Machado, I think your choices are Machado and Alonso or Gallon and Jimenez. Because I think the biggest advantage to keeping Machado is that he gives you an insane value on Alonso if you also keep Alonso. If you're only going to keep one of those two plus Jimenez, I actually think Gallon in the eighth and keeping your second round pick is a better bet than keeping. It'd be Machado, right? It's, 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 it's you're not going to keep Alonzo and Jimenez or Alonzo and Gallon. So your choices basically come down to Jimenez and Gallon, Alonzo and Machado, or Machado and Jimenez. Those are your three choices. And I think in those combinations, I still think <laughs> Machado and Alonzo. 
I still think Machado and Alonso is the right choice. Um, but I can make a case for Gallon and Jimenez in that order. But like, I wouldn't do any combination of those groups. Yeah, I I think we're in lockstep in this one. I think that kind of value on Alonso, and with it being just a three keeper, you know, like it, it's not hard to figure out a third keeper if you're in a pinch, right? So I would just take the value on Alonso and go into the season with three studs. I don't want to mess around with third base. You're getting, in my mind, the second best third baseman in baseball. And it, it's not Jimenez's best format, I'll say. Like, I, I think speed's going to go up around the board, and this league counts walks, not on base percentage, which is straight up walks. That is not. Um, a category that's that great for Jimenez. It's total bases too. That's another one that's not super for him. Yeah, so. it's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's right. I think I think you, I think that's right. I think you keep Machado, you keep Alonso, and you're you're getting what you're effectively doing is you're keeping Machado at a good but not great value in order to keep Alonso at a legitimately great value. Yeah, that, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we've got another one from Tim Kanick, uh, who was part of our uh, mock auction uh, not too long ago. Uh, Tim's on the fence. He has a $3 Mike Massey. I think that was a player that you ended up with, Chad, in that auction, actually. Um, I did. I got bad. a $1 Massey. Yeah. Hey, better value than uh, what Tim's got here. So he's <laughs> on the fence. Uh, $3 Massey is his backup second baseman. He likes him, but he's thinking he could probably get him for $1 or $2. I think I agree with that. A dollar saved is better than a dollar earned. So, Chad, what are your thoughts on a $3 Mike Massey? So I'm I'm going to give sort of conflicting advice here. I, I think I'll be very clear on what I would do in this case, but I'm going to give conflicting advice because the first thing I'm going to say is, in general, if you have a guy you think is a good $1 or $2 player and you can keep him at 3 just keep him at 3 Because you're, the risk of throwing him back in the pool and having him go for like 5 like that risk exists. And so if you're high on the guy... Now, if you're sort of torn, if you're like... Yeah, this is this is a guy I like for one or two bucks, but there's like five other guys I like just as much. That's fine. You risk him going for five and having to pivot to someone else, whatever. But in general, if you really believe in a guy and you're like, he's an end of auction, one or two dollar guy, I've got him for three, but I really believe in him. Just keep him. It's the safer thing to do. However, in this case, I don't think Massey goes for more than a buck or two. And I, you know, we we did that one mock auction, and that mock auction. I did get him for $1. There is a series of other mock auctions going on right now. Um, there's been, it looks like five of them. They are not all done yet. Three of them are done. A fourth is about to finish. And I think the fifth is sort of early on still. But looking at the results from those five auctions, three and a half, four, four and a half, whatever it is, that $1 Massey that I picked up, that's the only time he's been nominated in any of those auctions. So his his... His status within this community is just not that high yet. And so I just think you're extremely likely to get him back for a buck. And if the worst case is you have to go to three or four dollars, it's probably like you're already paying him three anyway. So going to four is not the end of the world. If something really crazy happens and it turns out that like Tim and the second biggest Mike Massey fan in the world are both in the league and all of a sudden the bidding's up to five, six bucks, move on. And it's fine. And like I like Massey, but to me, he's not a kind of guy that you're like, Man, I had him at three, and now someone else has him for six. And that's going to ruin the league for me for years. Like that's not that's not where I am with him. And so, to me, I would cut him. I, I think that's the right decision. I would definitely try to buy him back. I like him a lot. Um, I think he's a really interesting bat. I do think he has some risk in in Kansas City. Like he had a he hit seventeen barrels last year, 
13% barrel rate, 17 barrels, and had only four home runs. Some of that is just bad luck. Like you hit 17 barrels, you should have more than four home runs. Some of that is that Kauffman Stadium is a terrible place to hit the ball. <laughs> and so, and, and the bad luck might get better next year, but Kauffman's not changing. At least not, you know, they're trying, their, their ownership is trying to get a new stadium, but it's not going to happen by opening day. So I, there, there's enough risk there that I think I'm, I'm fine just taking the shot at him being gone. And to be perfectly honest, one of the advantages of cutting him it's not just that you might get a dollar or two back, although I think you will. It's also that like midway through the draft, you may find yourself thinking like, eh, Massey's not the $1 or $2 guy I want. I'm really strong at middle infield. I'm really happy there. There's somebody else who's going up now that I'm really interested in. Like, so I, I like the flexibility in this case. Um, I think it's the right thing to do. So, And by the way, I th- this is going to come up again because Tim, in addition of me, having been in that mock, is in the podcaster league that's getting started up. So I don't know if we've mentioned this in the show, but uh, Derek Van Riper from The Athletic does the Rates and Barrels podcast and a couple others, I think, actually. I think he does multiple. But he has been, you know, Eno Saris, who's on Rates and Barrels with him, has been playing Auto New for years. He was the uh, fantasy editor at Fangraphs when Auto New launched. Like, he's just been around it. He actually helped introduce Fangraphs and Auto New to each other. Um, and so he talks about auto new occasionally and Derek's been sort of like intrigued by it. And he finally was like, all right, I'm going to take the plunge. And so he started this, this podcasters league that I'm helping him get sort of up and running that Pete and I have a team in. And Tim also has a team in that league. That's a five by five league. It's a little bit different than this, but, uh, I can already imagine there will be some, you and I are gonna have to discuss our strategy around Michael Massey, knowing that Tim <laughs> is going to go after him because I kind of want him too. So just throwing that out there. Interesting. And and so you brought up format there. Did did Tim tell you what the format was? Because I didn't see it in the question. And I think that really matters with Massey. Yeah, he didn't. I assumed it was Fangraph's points. Okay. Because it wasn't specified. And in general, with auto new leagues, if you don't specify, I tend to assume that's what it is. But he, he didn't clarify now. Yeah, I'm just, I, I don't know really what to make of Massey. I'm kind of with you. I think I would just cut him and I would wait a while in the auction and then I would nominate him for a buck and I would probably get him. So if you got him, don't nominate him right away, obviously. But like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Like he batted for such a high average in the minor leagues and then he got to the major leagues and he just hit everything in the air um, and had a strikeout rate over 23%. Like, I, I don't, <laughs> is he going to hit for average? It was a small sample size, but he does not profile somebody to hit for average. And he also doesn't look like somebody's going to hit for a lot of power. So I, I'm I'm a little concerned and, and less enthusiastic about Massey. But um, I would cut him, wait a while, get him for a buck, and uh, hope he pans out. Um, we can do one more question before we go to our first break. This next question is from Hayden Higgins on Twitter. Uh, he's in a Fangraph points league. Wants to know about a $40 Bieber, $36 Bruchette, $24 Muncie. Or sixteen dollar Muncie, confused by that. You're I think he's got to... Muncie in two different leagues. Is I think what that that's about. He's got a sixteen dollar Muncie and he's got a twenty four dollar Muncie, and he's not sure about either of them. Is how I read that. Okay, so he's just got a long list of players here. Okay. Oh yeah, uh, nineteen dollar <laughs> low. You know what? Let let's chunk this out. Let's get through a couple of these. Go to break, and we'll do the rest. So let's start off with your boy there, Chad. What about a forty dollar <laughs> Shane Bieber? Yeah, Hayden, you asked us such a long list of players. We have to take a break in the middle of it. That's uh <laughs> So 
Bieber, I like Bieber, and I'm going to be quick on these because if you ask me about 12 different players, you don't get deep analysis. You just get answers. <laughs> that's that's how I'm handling this. But uh, Bieber, I like him, but I, not at 40 bucks. I think yeah. 35-ish max. In these, in these startup auctions, he's going for the, the mock auctions. He's going for closer to 30. He'll probably go for more than that in you know second, third, fourth year leagues because of inflation. But I, at 40 bucks, I'm out. Yep, fair. Uh, $36 Bichette. This one's really borderline to me, and it depends a bit how badly you need middle infield and what the middle infield market looks like. I think this is this is the the top end of his inflated value. And so if you're thin at middle infield, if you're looking around the league and don't feel like a lot of middle, middle infielders are going to be available, I can see, I can absolutely see keeping him. I don't think you'll be unhappy with that. If you're deep at middle infield or you look around, you're like, there's going to be a ton of guys available at auction. I'm really comfortable with my options there you might be able to use the dollars better somewhere else. Yeah, I'm looking at this list and I think there is only two players that I would keep, but uh $24 Muncie. So or, he had this 24 or the $16. So this is $16 Muncie I'm keeping. That's I choose the 16 over the 24. That's my yeah, give, give it the choice. That's right. If I could pay him 16 or 24, I'll pay him less. <laughs> uh, but the $16 Muncie I'm keeping for sure. $24, I, it's actually very similar to what I said about Bichette. I think $24 is pushing the top end of his range. And if you're looking around and you're like, man, if I don't keep him, my middle infield could get real ugly, then keep him. And if you're looking around thinking like, yeah, he's a nice, he's a luxury, then I think you can move on. Um, this is actually like, to me, this is his range. I don't think you're getting him for less than 16. And I don't think you'll have to pay more than 24. <laughs> so... Yeah. That's that's a, a pretty good sense of like, I, I'm happy at 16 and at 24, I, I could be done. So Muncie was one of the two that I would keep. I'm curious to see if we'll get the other one here. Uh, what about a $19 Brandon Lowe? So this one, it's... Brandon Lowe. Oh, Brandon Lowe, right. I'm, I'm, I'm giving the same answer every time, which is just like, oh, it depends. But uh, this one, I feel I like the $19 Lowe better than the $24 Muncie. Um, I don't, I, it's not as much as the $16 Muncie. So it's still in this case where like, I could totally understand why you'd want to cut him. It's sort of the top end of what I expect his inflated value. Actually, it's in the top end. This is about what I expect his inflated value to be. And if he's, if he is cut, I do think there's a real chance that someone in the league is like, man, I really need a second baseman and pushes him up to $20. In these mock drafts that have been going on, these mock auctions, and remember, these are first-year leagues. There's no inflation. His average price is about $13.60, $14. But one of those is a $10. The other four are $13, $13, $16, and $16. So when you start looking at like a $13 to $16 price with inflation, $19 is totally reasonable. So I, I, I think I would probably lean towards keeping him, but... Again, if I were really strong at middle infield, this might be a place where I would try to save some money. Yeah, I was a little torn on that one too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll change my mind and say I'll, I'll be with you on that one. I've done three drafts other than our mock auction so far, and Lau just kept falling in those drafts. So nineteen dollars seems a little pricey, but when you say you could risk losing him in the draft with inflation and everything else, I'd rather just lock up second base. And you and I are both fans of Brandon Lau, even though I can't yeah. say his name ever. Um, $10 McMahon. So the projections on McMahon say this is a keep and, and pretty easily a keep, but 
I don't think he actually goes for $10 very often. And again, like I'm looking, so I'm looking at these mocks and in the mocks, he's gone for seven, seven, eight, and nine. One of them, he hasn't gone yet. So he's going for less than $10 in those. Those are pre-inflation. So I guess with inflation, that means that $10 is pretty good, but I don't know. I don't love it. I, I hate like cores is weird because I love cores for like the $1 guys who I can be like, yeah, I'll just use them half the time and that's fine. But if I'm paying 10 bucks for Ryan McMahon and then have to bench him in 81 games because I just don't think he's valuable enough on the road. And I'm going to, like, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to have better options than road McMahon. I just don't want to pay 10 bucks for that. Yeah, I don't either. I, that would be a cut. I, I do like that Fangrass points is obviously daily. So you'd be able to just play him at home, but that's still not enough for me to spend $10 on a player. I just don't like uh, James Karinczak, nine bucks. I mean, you know me, I don't like paying for relievers, so I'm yep. I'm out on any reliever at like eight, nine, ten bucks. Like it just it's just not how I build a roster. But even if you're the kind of person who builds a roster with semi-expensive relievers, Karen Chak had some real struggles last year. He bounced back, he pitched well, but he had he was he was up and down, especially you know, go back the year before. Like there it has been uneven. He is also one of these guys, like, I don't know if you've ever seen him pitch, but he throws a pitch and he gets the ball back and he like rubs his hair and he walks around and he talks to himself and he throws the ball in the air and he catches it and he punches his glove. And he's like, he's got this whole routine and he's got a pitch clock coming for him this year. And I do not know that he can handle it. <laughs> and so I just think there's risk around him. Um, even beyond the fact that I just, there are very few relievers I would keep for nine bucks. Cause I just don't, that's just not how I build my roster. So I'd cut. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And I like that you brought up the pitch clock. I, I consume a lot of fantasy content and I don't think enough people are talking about it. So it's nice to hear you bring that up for a player like Corinne Jack. I think that'll have a lot of impact on quite a few relievers. Uh, so the $9 guy goes, I assume that's a cut as well. Uh, yeah, same. And again, same thing. Like, I think he's going to get less saves. I just think there's some risk there with him in general. And I just, even if there weren't, I'm just not keeping relievers that expensive. Yeah, so I freaking hate the Rays and I, I the bullpen and just the whole. T I just can't stand that team. But I, this next guy, I'm actually going to keep at eight bucks. Pete Fairbanks, Banks. I just think he's that good. So I think of these three relievers, he's clearly the best option. And it's not just that he's eight bucks instead of nine. I think he's, I think he's the best pitcher of the three. Uh, I have the fewest concerns about him for sure. This, this again, this is much more. The other two are like, even if you like keeping expensive relievers, I wouldn't. This is the this is the opposite of that. I wouldn't keep him because I don't keep $8 relievers. But if you are the type who wants 8 to $10 relievers in your bullpen, there are way worse options than just holding on to an $8 Pete Fairbanks and having him locked in. So I, I, I if that's how, if you're going to spend that much on a reliever, you might as well keep Fairbanks. If you're like me and you're not going to go over five bucks for a reliever anyways, then you got to cut him. No, that makes, total, that makes total sense. I'm with you on that one. I think these next, at least these next four are super easy. Um, you're not going to keep a $6 Eduardo Escobar, right? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> not, uh, not at all. As amazing as he was a $4 King. So King and the next guy on this list, I'll, I'll I'm going to sort of bunch them together is John Schreiber, who I, I know you are a fan of. Like now we're at a four dollar king, three dollar Schreiber. We're getting into my range. Like this is where I can play in the reliever range. I could see keeping both of those guys, but realistically, I think I'd end up cutting them. Um, I don't know that that's the quote unquote right choice to make, but it's the choice I would make. 
King, I just think there's too much risk around. And Schreiber, I the track record just doesn't impress me yet. And so I just I feel like I can get guys for one or two bucks that carry the same amount of risk and the same amount of upside. So let me let me ask you then, like a guy like Dylan Flora, who I think is now going to enter the season as the closer for the Marlins, and I tweeted about him last week. I'm actually kind of a fan, but he, he doesn't have a lot of strikeout upside. That that really matters here. Um, would you rather have a, a three dollar Floro or a three dollar Schreiber who has basically no chance unless something happens to Jansen of ever getting the closer's role? Boy, that is a that is an interesting question. Um, I'm I'm trying to pull up some numbers from last year. So Floro last year had ten saves in fifty three innings. He was worth six point four one points per inning. Schreiber last year had eight saves in 65 innings, but was 8.22 points per inning. And that is, you know, fewer saves in more innings tells you the the value, the impact of, of strikeouts in, in this format. And the reality is a guy like Floro, like I, I just don't want Floro in Fiograph's points. Five by five, totally different story. Leagues where saves are a category rather than just one of the scoring things, fine. But like, even in Floro, let's let's pull up his page real quick and look. He ended the season in his last. Well, so he was better at the end. His last ten outings, he had five saves. That's that's sort of you know traditional closer type numbers. It's high end save numbers actually to get a save every other time out. Um, and he was 9.1 innings and 88.47 points. So over nine points per inning. All right. Well, maybe I should, maybe I should come around to floor. Now he also had 11 strikeouts in nine and a third innings in those last 10 outings, which is a, a level of strikeouts that I don't think you can reliably count on from him. Um, but even if you take a couple of those away, he still did. He's still pretty look, looking pretty good there. So, uh, I, yeah, I guess looking at that, maybe I would rather have Floro. I was, I was ready to say I'd rather have Schreiber because I'd rather have the guy who's got the, I think more skills, but, um, this suggests the skills are close enough that that job will matter. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I it, for me, it just comes down to like, I, relievers are so inconsistent. I don't know if I, I would not be surprised if this time next year we look at 2023 and it's like, yeah, John Schreiber, what happened to him? He had an ERA of four and a half in 2023. You know, I hope it doesn't happen, but it wouldn't surprise me. So I'd rather the guy with the job, but I do think it's an interesting question. We've almost made it through this list from Hayden. We didn't even take a break. We'll get to the break in just a second. Uh, $3 Nick Gordon, Chad. So I, I actually like Nick Gordon. I'm, I'm sort of high on him for this year. And I think this is an example of a guy where unlike Massey, I think there is a chance that, especially as we get closer to the season and see what the twins are doing and what his role is going to be and stuff like that. Like he actually, he has gone in three of the four auctions that are almost, that are either done or almost done and has gone for $2 in two of them. So he actually is a guy who I think like you have to assume you're paying about two bucks for him anyways, which means that there's a risk he goes for four or five. And if that's the case, then if you're high on him, I would just keep him. If you're if you're not, if you're just like, yeah, he's fine. He's just a depth piece and whatever. Then like I would move on because I think there's plenty of depth pieces out there. But if your view on him is that he actually like 
he hits the ball really hard. He's got some real potential to be an, an impact player, which I think he does that I'm keeping. Yeah, he's got a little possession flexibility, too. I think that's worth the buck. Yeah. Roster resources got him for a strong side platoon at DH right now. It doesn't really suit him that well, but that's oh. a team that has guys that could fall off like Joey Gallo and guys who are you know, unfortunately hurt a lot like Buxton and Correa. So I, I think Gordon's going to find himself to 450 to 500 at-bats pretty easily. Yeah, Chad, that finally takes us to the bottom of the list here. $11 Jake Cronenworth. Yeah, I think this is this is a super boring one to me where like <laughs> I think if you need middle infield, you can keep him. I think he provides pretty good floor. There's not a ton of upside in this. He's going for like eight ish dollars in those mocks. He's gone as high as ten dollars. So like in a second, third year league with inflation, you're going to pay like eleven dollars is what he's going to cost. And if you want to lock in a solid option, it I think both middle infield spots, right? He qualifies. I'll double check this, but I think he qualifies at both second and short and first, all three of those. Like, I, I think I would just like, I would just hold him to lock in that floor. But again, if I'm on a team where I'm like, I've got five middle infielders who are all really good and are all keepers, he's most likely the least exciting of those and probably the easiest one to just move on from at 11 bucks. But if you have like two middle infielders and you're worried about filling that out, like having a guy who can flex between the two positions, who you can count on playing pretty regularly and who you can just, he'll put up good numbers for you has value. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Agreed. Circumstantial. I don't think it's going to make or break you either way. All right. Thank you, Hayden, for the question. We gave you a little trouble there for giving us so many names, but we love it. We love the content. Please keep the questions coming. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with your questions. Welcome back folks. Keep or cut podcast. Pete Ball, Chad Young, answering listener questions before we maybe get to our outfield rankings. But I don't know. We still got a lot of questions here, Chad. So let's just dive right in. We got from David123 on Twitter. Uh, Bryce Harper. Here, are you keeping him? And does it matter if you're contending? Uh, he's got him for 40 to 50 bucks. I think this is just a general Bryce Harper question. Yeah, I think that's I, I typed in the question wrong. I think it's supposed okay. to say where I, I copy paste uh, it. Okay, I say where are you keeping him? So As I was reading it, I was like turning here into uh, anchor man. <laughs> here are you keeping? No, yeah, I think I say where are you keeping him? Got it. In this sort of forty, like, are you in this forty to fifty dollar range? Um, and, and I mean the the short answer is yes. <laughs> in the forty to fifty dollar range, like forty dollars, I'm keeping Harper. 50, I think, depends. And, you know, he asked this, does it matter if you're contending? And part of what matters to me here is if I'm not contending, I'm way more inclined to keep Harper. And, and there's two reasons for that. One is if he's cheap, then I don't care that I'm missing half a season in a year. I'm not competing or whatever he's going to miss, right? I'll just lock in that low price, hold him through the season and have a good either either he'll get eaten up by uh, arbitration, which will protect the rest of my team, or I'll have a low priced Harper for next year. Or if he's high priced, like in this fifty dollar case, you keep him. You wait for him to get healthy, and the day he's like literally the day he starts his rehab assignment, and he might be back within a week. You put him on your trade block and just let the offers roll in because people will be desperate to add a bat like that at that point in the season. In general, I think a fair inflated price for him is probably in the $45, $46, $47 range. And so 50 is pushing it for me. And if I am competing and I think my team has a real shot to win, I I'm probably cutting even in that $45-ish space because I just 
I think I can do better for my team by spending that money on someone who's available or multiple someones who are available to me than on, on sitting on him. But if I'm not contending, I'm happy to keep him and just wait if I need to. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think if it's if it's head to head and I have a lot of value on the rest of my roster, like I'm still going to be, you know, have a if I have a four hundred fifty dollar roster um, that that I'm obviously paying less for, and it's a head to head league where I'll just get full Bryce Harper back, then I guess I'd be a little bit more tempted. But if he's in that fifty dollar range, I think I'm with you. I think I'd rather just beef up the rest of my yeah. team. That is a good call though. That if you're if you have a a team that you are. If you're in a head-to-head league where six teams are going to make the playoffs and you're pretty confident you have one of the two best teams, so that even if you're wrong, even if your team falls off, even if you struggle, you're still probably going to have a, a, a good shot at the playoffs, then keeping Harper feels very different because you're just like, eh, when the playoffs roll around, I'll have Harper, and that'll be great. Um, so that's, that's a really good distinction. So David had a few other questions here. He's asking about a Brendan Rodgers for $5. Very curious the response here because I also have a Brendan Rodgers for $5. That, that's an easy keep for me. Okay. I, like to me, I mean, Rodgers, like I get the playing time issues because of the the health and stuff. But like he was, he was good last year, right? Like yeah, I'm not, I'm not remembering wrong. Am I? <laughs> No, no, he was. I, I looked him up literally yesterday. Before, um, I didn't even see this question. I was for my own team, and I was like, wow, okay, you know what? I didn't actually see he was quite this good. Um, so yeah. $5, he's a keep. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a little bit with McMahon before. Like, there's a downside that you probably can only use him at home. But at $5, it's fine. I think, uh, yeah, I might even push Daily up league. six, seven, eight. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I, I don't know if this question was actually from Jalen Beeks, but a $3 Jalen Beeks, I'm, I'm cutting. <laughs> I'm cutting as well. Yeah, I, was, yeah. uh, I don't know. Maybe David123 is Jalen Beeks' burner and just wants yeah, to know yeah. if he's... <laughs> I wonder if these guys like me. Sorry, Jalen. Yeah, not not even for a dollar, Jalen. Um, Spencer Torkelson for $4. I'm slamming that. And Willie Adamas for 14 I'm keeping that as well. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, I think Torque to me is like, if you think he's toast trade a four dollar torque someone will yeah. bite on him and if you think he isn't toast that's a great value just ride that and see what happens agreed so uh this next one's from uh another longtime listener of the show he is in the um keeper cut ought new listener league that's kevin comlin on twitter and his question simple fan graphs points are you keeping a four dollar matt carpenter and chad i'm i'm with you on this one yeah i'm not gonna keep him i, I think last year was a bit fluky after the all-star break, like he got, he started off. I think there was that point at the beginning of the season where it was like, he went over to the Yankees and then hit home runs in like five straight appearances or something. Like he was just was like, like on 10. fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was insane. It was just yeah. like absolutely nuts. And then after the all-star break, he was just like, fine. He was good. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't want to suggest that he like fell off the face of the earth and needs to retire. Or something like that. He was, a, he was a good hitter, but he was only a good hitter. He wasn't great. He wasn't special. Um, now he's left Yankee stadium. I don't know. It just feels like there's a downward trend. He sort of bounced back from having already struggled. He's leaving Yankee stadium and it's just like adding up in really negative ways. And I, I don't know if I could get him back for like $2, maybe I would go to three, but like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't need to spend the four. And if, if somebody else spends the four at auction, fine. And like, I just, yeah, I'm just not that worried about it. I think like by the end of the auction, I'm not even sure if I'm going to want him in my outfield or if there'll be a better use of that $4 on like a middle infielder or a third baseman or something like that. So like, eh, I'm out. 
Yeah, I don't I I don't think I'd be in on him even for a buck. I have no I don't know where he's going to play when Tatis comes back. They they made the Nelson Cruz signing. Maybe he's just a better hitter than Nelson Cruz and he gets the DH, but I, the floor is I, so low. I just I'd rather use that dollar on somebody with more upside. I think he is the I think when Tatis gets back, Matt Carpenter is the large side of a DH platoon with Nelson Cruz. That's what I, that's what I would bet on. It, it It's like, I'm super perplexed because this to me is like, this is just a terrible way to build a roster. If you're the Padres, like Weird. why would you get like Carpenter has been for his career awful in the outfield. And now you're either, you're locking him into that or I don't know. Do you, do you bench Cronenworth? Do you bench Kim? Like, I don't know. I, I don't get why they did this this way, but that's what they did. And so I have to imagine that if if Carpenter and Cruz are hitting and Tatis is back, then you put the the two old guys in a platoon, I guess. I don't know. Weird. Yeah, it was it was weird. I get the Nelson Cruz signing because it was so cheap. It was like a million bucks, you know, and like, fine, let's see if he can give us a decent season. But it's uh, it was a weird move. Um, anyway, out on a $4 Matt Carpenter. This one is from A-T-L-I-E-N on Twitter. Uh, I plan on cutting almost all of my players who don't have surplus value. Is there ever a scenario where you keep a player who is overvalued at their current salary? Um, and we can read the next question that kind of goes with this. How often in Otnew, this is from Thomas Parker on Twitter. How often in Otnew you find yourself keeping middle-of-the-road players at or slightly above their projected price? We expect stars to inflate. But what about the seven to fifteen dollar guys? This is a really good question. If you project a guy like Luis Urias to be worth ten dollars, are you keeping him at ten dollars, at twelve dollars, etc.? Yeah, so I, I think to start some sort of background definition type stuff, and, and the first one is when I'm thinking about my auction plans, which is what influences my keeper decisions. I'm going to measure surplus versus like current year value. Right. So like if I say a guy is, you know, a $10 value with and I'm paying him eight dollars, he has two dollars of surplus, that's that's really just this season. And so I'm often keeping like prospects, right? Like um who I, you know, I don't expect Daniel Espino to have much value this year. He might be up, he might not. We'll see. He might struggle if he's up. But long term, I think he has value. And so I'm not keeping him at, at $3 because I think he has $3 of value. I'm keeping him at $3 because the long term upside is worth it. So that is the situation where I keep guys who who don't have surplus, negative surplus, however you want to however you want to put it. And it's not just prospects. Like Trevor Larnock is another good example where I think realistically Larnock has you know, zero to one dollar of value. Like we just can't expect a lot from him, but I still believe in the skills and the talent. And so I'm okay keeping him at a, you know, two, three dollar price and accepting the fact that he's overpaid because I think that the long term is there. The other thing is that I am not measuring surplus versus like what I think the guy's projection is worth through a straight calculation. It has to do with what's this guy worth to me in the auction. Like what would I pay to get this guy in the auction given his talent and production, given the scarcity at that position, given inflation in the league, given the needs of my roster. And so from that like when you get to that point, it's like you ask like, you know, Luis Urias, if I is he worth $10, am I keeping him at 12? Well, if I believe he's worth $10 based on 
his talent and my needs at the position and scarcity at the position in the draft and all that other stuff, then no, I'm not keeping him at $12 because I can spend that $12 better. Now, if he is a $10 player based on the projections, but I expect middle infield to be shallow, I need middle infield help. And so I'm thinking, yeah, in the auction, I would spend 14, 15 on him. Then I would keep him at 12 because he's less than what I would spend at auction. So that, that sort of, Trying to put this, like summarize this in a big picture. First, I think about value as what I'd be willing to pay at auction. That accounts for inflation. It accounts for scarcity. It accounts for need. Second, I'm willing to bake in a premium or some additional value for upside and perceived future value. But beyond that, I am, I'm ruthless about it, right? Like there's, you know, doesn't matter how much I like a guy. doesn't matter how much I think he'd be a good fit on my team. If like, I look at him like, yeah, I would pay 15 for him at auction, but he costs 17. I'm out. Yep, that makes total sense to me. I'm kind of going through this right now with a $10 DJ LeMayhew. Um, I gave up a pretty a, a pretty cheap Joe Ryan, somebody who I'm not as high on as, as other people have been. I looked at Joe Ryan's points per innings last year in a, in a year where like it looked like he was awesome and it still wasn't really impressive. And so this DJ LeMayhew is $10, and I know I'm higher on DJ than the market is. So like, I, he's probably overpriced at $10. But I risk him going back, and now I got to get him for eleven or twelve, and now I'm even more overpaying for him. If um, you know th- that that tax or whatever you want to call it, that inflation takes place in the auction. So I, I hear the question. I think it's a great question, but it's a very case by case type deal. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I think with a guy like what you're talking about with Lemay here, I think one of the questions to ask yourself is like, if somebody else ends up with him for eleven or twelve dollars, are you going to be like, man, I can't believe I don't have him for eleven or twelve dollars? Are you going to be like? Oh, that guy wasted a couple bucks. Because if you're yeah. going to be like, yeah, that manager wasted a couple bucks, that's fine. That's two bucks he can't spend on something else. So I, that that's sort of one of the questions I like to ask myself about a guy like that is like, if I, if I end up having to pay more for this guy or if someone else pays more for this guy, am I going to be frustrated that I don't have him or happy to see somebody else burning money? That's a, that's a good way to look at it. A little clarity there. Um, great questions. Thank you, Thomas Parker and A-T-L-I-E-N. I don't even know. I, 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 Atlian, Atlian, Atlian. I don't know. Yeah, it's like Alien, but from Atlanta. Yeah. All right. Yep. Uh, all right. So that takes us to our next question from Vikabot on Twitter. Uh, what do you think of Eloy's upside given more DH, full access to staff in the offseason, so therefore less injury probability? Asking that as a question, like, do we think? Well, I, I would assume so. If he's a DH, less injury prone, right? That's that's the idea, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm. I'm not trying to predict his injury probability. Like I just, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I don't know how likely he is to get hurt. I, I and his injuries have been weird. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm just, I do think DH will protect him a little bit. So what I will say is I'm, I'm very high on him. Like I'm buying him as a top 10 or close to top 10 outfielder in most formats. And, and the Fangraphs points format the auto new formats are are better for him than most of the others. The power is legit. It's a legitimately great bat. He does just need to stay on the field. I still like, I think part of keeping him healthy is probably going to be some, you know, risk management and time off and stuff like that. But like, man, I mean, 2021 was bad in his 55 games, but like, look at what he's done the rest of his career you don't need more than 120 games of that to be real happy with what you get. 
Yeah, I, I'm all in on Eloy as well. I, I, I seem to roster him everywhere. I would be hesitant, though, because if you're of the belief that, like, okay, I like this guy because he's DHing, uh, he really wants to play the field, apparently. He said, if I'm working hard, I'm going to get better, and I want to play in the outfield. He was pretty adamant about that. This was, like, earlier in the week or last week. He, you know, he admitted, like, yeah, last year I was coming back from injury, so I had to DH a lot, but that's not part of my future. You know, that, this is the vibe I was getting. Like, I, I, I want to play the field. So um, he is a disaster in the field. It cost him a very serious injury. I, it looked, I, I watched it live, and it, I, so I always get it wrong because it looked like it was shoulder, but then we later found out that I think it was abdomen or something like that. Um, but being such a mess in the field, uh, you know, maybe that does force the team's hand there. We got to play this guy DH. I don't know. I like him more he, as a DH. He's just, it's not going to happen. Like, he's not going to play the field. He might play a little bit, but like, Luis Robert is playing center field. That's that's a lock. They just signed Andrew Benintendi, and he's going to be in an outfield spot for sure. And then right field for now, they're like, you know, you look at roster resource, they have Gavin Sheets there. Um, Leury Garcia is a possibility. But the team has already said that Oscar Colas is going to have a real shot to win a job on the opening day roster. And Colas is a good fielder. He's a center fielder quality kind of guy. He's not coming up to DH. Right. So like, Eloy, if you can get some time in right field before Colas gets the call, which maybe, you know, maybe you get a month or two before that happens, like best of luck. I hope you don't get hurt in those two months. But dude, you're a DH. Whether you like it or not, like you're just... You're just so he's so far. It's not even that he's that bad in the outfield. I mean, he is. But even if he were like a, a decent outfielder, an average outfielder, being an average outfielder when you're being compared to Robert and Benintendi and Colas is so far below their level. You're not playing the field. It's not even about him. It's about them. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, I completely forgot about Oscar Colas myself and that giant contract they gave to Benintendi. It does not look good for Eloy's hopes to play the outfield. Let's hope he plays it enough to get that eligibility, though, going forward, because we do not want a util only Eloy Jimenez. Uh, finally, I can see the bottom here of our questions. Uh, thanks again, folks. I'm, I'm loving all these questions. This is fun. So this is from Pete Dixon on the Pitcherless Discord. Uh, his team's in win now. He's looking to make a couple final cuts to the pitching staff. He's leaning towards cutting Jose Quintana at $5. I'm sure you're going to be in favor of that. And Blake Trinan at $5. I know you're going to be in favor of that. But he's curious how uh, you and I would approach it. The roster is at 35 players and 369 bucks. That's not a lot of money for that auction. Um, he's already yeah. made cuts to the hitters. So every extra, extra spot makes a difference for Pete. Chad, what do you think? So first, he shared his full rotation with his full pitching staff with us. And I'll tell you, let me just read off who he's got. Um, there's some there's some great stuff on here. So, uh, and I'll, I'll give a quick like reaction to each one as I go through. But a thirty six dollar Jacob Degrom, I love a fifteen dollar Carlos Rodon, I like super love fifteen dollar Blake Snell. You know I'm a big Blake Snell believer, so that that's great. I think twelve dollar Lance McCullers, we should come back to twelve dollar Ryan Presley, we should come back to nine dollar Verlander. I think is great. Reed Detmers at $7 is probably the top end of his value, but I'm, I mm. think Detmers could have a really good year, so I have no issue with that. Jordan Montgomery at $6, I think is good. Ryan Helsley at $5, I think is good. Like You know how I feel about expensive relievers, but Helsley at $5, oh, that, sure. that works. Yep. <laughs> uh, Trennan and Quintana are next, and I agree they are cuts. And then the bottom four here are a $5 Dre Jameson, $4 Cody Morris, 
$3 Kyle Bradish and $3 Kenta Maeda. So I'm going to go back up. I, I said I wanted to come back to McCullers and Presley. I, I would cut Presley. And part of why I would cut Presley is because, as you know, I don't like having double-digit relievers. But Presley missed some time last year. He's getting a little older. And to me, $12 is sort of pushing the top of his range anyways. And so like, if you want a $12 reliever, go find a different $12 reliever. <laughs> like, Go find someone who's, who, who I'm less concerned about. Um, and on top of that, given the way this roster is constructed, what do you see? He's got five spots available and like 30 bucks to spend or something. Like, I'm not sure spending 12 bucks on a reliever is the best use of $12 when you have so little wiggle room. So I, I would cut him. McCullers, McCullers is an interesting one because I really like the talent. But the, I don't. I I've looked at multiple projection systems. I don't see a single projection for him that puts him as a more than a ten dollar pitcher. The highest projection I have on him is about nine dollars. In those mock auctions I mentioned, he was going for like eight, and I think he's more like a six to eight dollar guy than a twelve dollar guy. And I'm happy to move on from him, especially especially given the rest of this rotation. The rest of this rotation is so strong that you just move on from McCullers. Spend aim to get him back for like six or seven bucks. And if you get some other pitcher for six or seven bucks, that'll be fine too, because you have enough depth elsewhere. Um, the guys at the bottom, then the five dollar Dre Jameson, like I like Jameson, but I don't think you have to keep him at five dollars if you'd rather spend that money somewhere else. Like he was really good at the end of the year, but the track record's not super exciting, and there's still some risk there. Cody Morris at $4. I think the talent in Cody Morris is great, but like I have no idea what his timeline is or when he's going to have a job. Like Cleveland's got a, a lot of options for that rotation and th- there's a chance that Cody Morris like gets a shot early and then Daniel Espino and Gavin Williams and Tanner Bibby push him out anyways. So I, I might move on from him. Kyle Bradish I like and at $3 I think there's there might be other guys you could also go after instead of Bradish, but like I'm fine with keeping Bradish at $3 if you're a fan. And Kenta Maeda at three bucks, I'm out. I have no, I have no desire. Like Maeda hasn't pitched in a year, and he was bad the last time we saw him. So, like, what are we doing? I, I'm, I'm out on Maeda. He's so. not young either. Yeah, exactly. So, to me, cut McCullers, cut Presley, cut Trannon, cut Quintana, and I would probably cut Jamison Morris and Maeda as well, um, just to give yourself a little bit more flexibility and space going into that auction to solve things you need to solve. Yeah, and and I mean, like I actually like Bradish as well, but I think I'd even cut him at three dollars. I just want that flexibility, and I think there's yeah. names there that, like, having gone through, you know, so many auctions at this point, there, there, those are names that you wait long enough, you wait till people are low in their money, you nominate them, and you get them for a dollar because people have their other targets that they want. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Um, I lost my spot here. There we go. Uh, so this is from Kuel, also on the PitcherList Discord. Love to see questions on the PitcherList Discord. My biggest question is the impact of players who play in the World Baseball Classic in the subsequent season. Any discernible patterns to possibly be aware of drafting those players? Yeah, this is a this is an interesting one. Um, I and I poked around on the internet, and and the most useful, interesting thing I found was an article that Devin Fink wrote on Beyond the Box Score in 2017. Um, Devin, for those who, who aren't familiar with him, I think he works for like the Orioles or someone now. Like he's a super smart guy. He used to write some great stuff and now he doesn't because he does more important things. But uh, 
basically what that article came away with was a small negative effect, but it wasn't clear. And he was looking at this from like a quote unquote real baseball, not a fantasy baseball perspective. And so it was something like the players who played in the WBC saw a drop in their in their war of like 0.3. And it's like war is a pretty blunt instrument. And so like that, that's, you know, his, his takeaway was effectively, it looks like there might be a small negative impact, but I can't, I can't say that for sure. I can't, I can't rule out the possibility that it's just, there's no impact. So what does that tell me? I'm probably not going to spend a ton of time thinking about it or worrying about it, especially not for keeper decisions. Cause we don't know what those rosters are going to look like necessarily. Um, the one thing I will be paying a little bit of attention to is as we get into like June, July, August, I think people are going to forget that there'll be a handful of pitchers who are like 15, 20 innings further into their season than we, than we remember. Um, and so when you start to think about those guys who are like, Oh, he's never gone over 150 innings. He's already at 130. He might actually already be at 150 if he pitched in the WBC. So just keep that in mind. That may have an impact because as teams are thinking about innings limits, as you think about how going over historical levels is going to impact someone's, you know, how tired they are, how strong their arm is like those WBC innings, they count, they won't count on their season stats, but they count for innings they threw. So for, for hitters to me, it's just like, it's spring training. It's just like extra spring training games. I'm just not that worried about it. There's obviously like some like some immediate risk that like they get hurt on the field that could always happen, but I'm not beyond that. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. And I, you know, those innings for pitchers that they're, they're way more likely to be higher stress, right? Um, yeah. Like obviously, you know, they could get those innings in spring training, but those are not going to be as, as stressful as what they could potentially have in the world baseball classic. I guess the only thing that would come to mind for me are guys returning from injury um, that you'd want to see. You know, I, I, I was wanting to see Trevor story in the world baseball classic. And obviously that fell apart. Um, Ronald Acuna is is upset that he's going to be missing it, but I'm sure, you know, Braves fans and, and people who roster him are pretty glad he's going to be missing it. So, um, yeah, that, that's the one thing I guess I would keep an eye on. If you have roster guys that are coming back from injury that uh, are going to be playing in the World Baseball Classic, but that goes without saying. And finally, we get to our last one here, Chad. But before we get to this final question, we're going to take one more break, and we'll get to Joseph Harbers. Welcome back, folks, to the Keep or Cut podcast. We're churning through these questions here. We're on the last one from Joseph Harper on Otnew. Uh, he says, I'm stacked at middle infield with a ton of cheap high-ceiling guys. Um, what should I do? And this is League 1271, by the way. What should I do from that position? How do I determine where I should be trying to upgrade? And should I trade the most valuable guys for the biggest haul? Oh, fourth question here. Or the least valuable guys for the marginal gains? Yeah, so I'm pulling up this guy's team, and it's, I mean, just rattling through the roster. He's got a $55 Acuna, $13 Michael Harris, $12 Taylor Ward, $9 Christian Walker, $8 Sandra, Wander Franco, uh, $7 Stephen Kwan, $7 Bobby Witt Jr., $6 CJ Crone, $5 Josh Young, $5 Willie Adamas, $5 Dalton Varsho, $5 Luis Arise, $5 Tyler Stevenson, $3 Vaughn Grissom, $3 Josh Naylor, $3 Francisco Alvarez, $3 Rowdy Telez. His pitching, he's got a $49 DeGrom, $28 Brandon Woodruff, $11 Robbie Ray, $8 Pablo Lopez, $8 Charlie Morton, um, Brady Singer, Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, Ryan Helsley, Andres Munoz, Yohan Duran, 
John Gray and Alex Vessia all relatively cheap. Like that's a pretty fun roster. There's some really nice pieces there. And I can understand the question of like, if you look at the middle chunk of that roster where you've got this like $13 Harris, $12 Ward, $9 Christian Walker, $7 Quan, $7 Witt. You have a, you have a bunch of guys who like the upside is really high, but you don't know how much you can trust them. Like, are you really, are you really comfortable with Josh Young as your third baseman? Um, I don't, there, there's a lot, like I get, I get what this manager is struggling with. So I, I think the first thing I would say is like, if any of those guys in that middle group, you don't trust, you're not hired. Like you're just like, eh, I, you know, Josh Young is a six, $7 guy. I get that. But like the strikeouts are too high and I, I'm not a believer then shop them like that. That's an easy one. Just move on from the guys that you're not excited about. But other than that, my take would be to just build on that core, but don't rely on those guys. So don't sit here and say like, oh, I've got Josh Young at third base, so I'm good. Like go out and get yourself a third baseman. Go out and fill your middle infield. Go out and get yourself like the the bats you need. And then if all of those guys pan out, great. You'll, You'll trade some of them later or you'll trade the guys you bought to start ahead of them and move them into starting spots or whatever. Um, or you'll just ride it out and enjoy the season. Like that could happen too. Um, if some of those guys pan out and others don't, you'll have pieces you can trade to fill holes that you need. But like, I don't know, like I said, don't assume young is your third baseman. Don't look at like a Wander Franco, Vaughn Grissom, Bobby Witt, middle infield and be like, yeah, I'm set at middle infield. Like, I think you're pretty good with Wander as one of your three middle infielders, but the other two, I would go out and get yourself two more middle infielders that you're, you're pretty confident in and assume that like you can platoon Grissom and Witt with them. You can move them in and out. And if it turns out that like Grissom and Witt are better, great. Put them in the lineup every day and trade the other guys or cut the other guys or whatever, whatever makes sense. Um, the mistake I've made historically is I have a guy like Young and I'm like, I'm, I'm really high on this guy. I think he's going to be a star. He's my third baseman and I'm set. And when you make that assumption, you get yourself into trouble because those guys, like no matter how, no matter how good you are at this game, those guys don't always pan out. And so when I say go get a third baseman, that doesn't have to mean you go spend 35 bucks on Alex Bregman. It could mean like, I'm going to pull up my, my third base ranks now. And like, maybe it means you spend 15 bucks on Yandy Diaz or Ty France. Maybe it means you spend... 10 bucks on like a Justin Turner or an Anthony Rendon or someone to bounce back. Like just give yourself more options at those positions Buy other guys. So you can start to like, okay, if young doesn't work out, hopefully Turner does. If neither of them do fine, that could happen. But like give yourself multiple bites at the apple at those positions. And then, yeah, if it turns out that you buy Turner and he bounces back fully and is a $20 guy again, and young breaks out, that's a good problem to have, and you can deal with that later. But if you assume that Young is your set starter and he needs more time in AAA, it doesn't all come together for him, Like then you're in trouble. So build around that core, but build build as if those guys are your, your backups, your platoon options, your secondary options, as much as you can. Yeah, I support that. I mean, I, I'm... I found myself in a very similar situation. I'm looking at that roster right now, and there definitely is a lot of beef in the middle infield where 
the reason why we try to find deals on great players is it's self-explanatory, right? But it also allows us to maybe bring in players who are just really awesome and cost what they cost um, because you've built up enough value on that team. So I would consider kind of pushing my chips in a little bit and maybe acquiring a stud that I just think is is properly valued. I'm not overpaying for them and is going to make my team that much better and that much safer. Um, you know, I, I earlier in the season, I traded away early in the offseason. I traded away a relatively cheap Cabrian Hayes and a relatively cheap Ryan Mountcastle to get Nolan Arenado because I had and it's a thirty six dollar Nolan Arenado. It's not like some slam dunk deal. Um, he may have been a cut anyway, but my team is ready to take on that contract because I had found these deals before and I just traded for a forty eight dollar Freddie Freeman. I traded away a, basically a six dollar Jeremy Pena. Because I also had that $3 Ezekiel Tovar. I had a $3 as well, Oswald Peraza. And like I, I'm ready to cash in these young, cheap pieces to take the next step and build a good team. So don't be afraid to like, yeah, you've you've hoarded some amazing deals here and you're going to do very well in the auction. But don't be afraid to cash some of those in and bring some studs in to take your team to that next level. Yeah, I, I think, by the way, the other the other thing I might look at on that team is like, do you want to keep a $55 Acuna? Right? right, like you've got an outfield right now of Harris, Ward, Quan. Who else is out there? Varsho, if you wanted him in the outfield, sometimes Josh Naylor. Like you've got a pretty good start to an outfield there, and you might be better suited with like two twenty dollar outfielders and a fifteen dollar outfielder instead of Acuna, on the basis that you have three solid guys, and if Harris, Ward, and Quan aren't all they're cracked up to be. Hopefully one or two of them are, and then you add them to the other guys you just bought, and you're in a pretty good shape. Whereas right now you have Acuna and all of those other guys. You could get yourself to a place where you've got more stability in that outfield. Um, same thing maybe with a, the forty nine dollar Jacob Degrom. Like, it is it's a cut for when, me. when you've got a rotation that's got it's a cut for you. Yeah, I mean, it, I, that's sort of what I'm thinking too. Is like when you've got a rotation that's got Woodruff is sort of your anchor. Then Robbie Ray, Pablo Lopez, Charlie Morton, Brady Singer, like they're Alex Wood, Alex Cobb. Like there's a lot of injury risk and there's a lot of sort of regression risk there. I don't know that I want to add DeGrom's risk to that too. I think you might be better off with like go get a $30 Shane Bieber and spend the other $19 on like two $9 or $10 guys or an $18, $19 guy. Like go get a, I don't know, a, go get a $30 Bieber and a $20 Julio Urias instead of a $49 DeGrom. I'm spending an extra dollar. I hope that's okay. Um, that just might be a... I, I don't know. I think there's I think there's another path you can maybe take with those guys, given that you have depth behind them. So, yeah. Nope, I, I'm on board with that. So, folks, that, that takes us well over the hour, Mark. We wanted to hit you with our outfield ranks, and I do want to talk about why I have Luis Robert ahead of Michael Harris Jr. in my outfield ranks, and... I've got Acuna number one. Chad's got Julio Rodriguez number one, not to spoil too much here. So there's plenty of good <laughs> conversation to come, but I do think we have to cap it there. This is after PitchCon has ended, but we do hope that you enjoyed PitchCon. We hope that you uh, listened to Chad's thing. I don't know why I'm trying to hype it up now when like yeah. by the time let's, they let's listen to it, my thing. Over, okay. it's, it's tomorrow as we're recording, but by the yeah. time anyone hears this, they're going to be like, Oh, I missed it. So go watch the recording. You know, if, you, if you missed it, it was YouTube. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it went so well. But uh, 
And, and folks, consider giving us one of those iTunes uh, reviews, please. We love reading those. It's been a while since we had one of those. I, I think we're listened to on so many different platforms, but um, the Apple reviews are awesome to read. So consider dropping us a review there. Keep the questions coming. Follow us at, at @keepercut. Follow me at, at @pete_baseball. Follow Chad at, at @chad_young. We hope this episode helped. Good luck with your cut decisions, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.